You've seen their TV shows. You've watched their webcasts. Now, the boys invite you to Poker in the Ears. Hello, my babies, and welcome to Poker in the Ears. I am your Uncle Daddy. I am Joe Stapleton. He is my work wife, James Hardigan. Still in one piece, Joe. I did not break. I don't know how that's possible. Anyway, we'll get to that later. Although I did succumb to what is possibly the most middle-class calamity of all time earlier today when I sprayed balsamic vinegar all over my jeans. <laughs> it's like, hey, we're talking about Alien later. At least it, uh, it didn't burn through your pants. True, uh, true. And James and I uh, are, are a work husband and wife, and we are somehow two poker commentators who managed to not tweet anything about sex trafficking this week. So hooray. Oh, <laughs> more on that later. Coming up on today's show, James has been on vacation. I've been busy. I went to Vegas. I've been doing stand-up. I'm having home games. I've got stories. Cool. Uh, we will check in on where my staking action is at. In fact, I do need to pull that screen up. Uh, Poker-wise, we're going to talk to one of poker's rising stars and an early Twitch adopter. Her name is Vanessa Cade. Yeah, we threw this out to you, the Poker in the Ears listeners. We said, who do you want to hear from? And I think it was Kai in Canada. Uh, may have been a couple of other people as well. So really interested to speak to Vanessa Cade. So Joe hit her up and she's on the show today. Uh, we'll be trying to get to know her and I can get her to play one of my dumb games. Also this week, we are starting, I'm going to call it a deep dive, but it's really not going to be that deep of a dive, but uh, we're going to chat. We're going to chat about billions. Yeah. Uh, this week, we'll be talking about season one. Uh, I was, I had already planned on mentioning that I've, I've already started my buttering up Brian Koppelman tweets about the show. This morning, I woke up to a DM from him and he said, he'll do the show. I didn't even have to ask him. Wow. That's so cool. I have such man crushes on some of these people, so I'm very, very excited for that. Uh, as we mentioned, this week we'll be chatting about Alien on Superfan versus Stapes. Neil Collins will be on the show. He's from uh, he's from the other hemisphere. And just to be clear, this is Alien singular. We've had Aliens plural as a yeah. Superfan subject, but bizarrely, and I think a movie that big, a movie that iconic, it's it's weird that no one's picked it already. It is weird, but it's it's good to do because it's it's a movie I saw during the era where I still remember movies. Well, maybe you stand a chance then. Um, as requested at the end of our yeah. last podcast two weeks ago, I did send you a video of myself skiing to prove that I can ski and that I am not a complete physical mess on the slopes. This video was so on brand. It was like the Roma of vacation videos. It was like a seven minute long shot where I'm like, where's James? Wait, is that James? Is that the, is James that spec coming down? Like, did you have like a steady cam? There was obviously like a lot lighting and James comes <laughs> zipping down the mountain and he skis up like a total fucking turd. And he's like, cut. <laughs> very very on brand video from you my friend notice that that was a personal video for you at least i didn't do the douche thing and put it on social media i didn't create an instagram story um <laughs> i should say i had a fantastic time but the weather oh my god i woke up one morning and it was minus 29 celsius outside and by the time we were out on the slopes, it had risen to minus 20 uh so it was full-on t-shirt fleece uh, padded liner, yeah. full winter coat, face mask, balaclava, helmet, hood over helmet, just to kind of keep the blood warm. 
it affects the number of runs you want to do, right? If it's that cold. It is, but to be honest with you, if you wear the right kit, it's absolutely fine. You just have to really, really dress up warm. Um, the only thing I wanted to say about, the only story I had, the only anecdote I had was coming back, yeah. Joe, uh, coming home, flying through Helsinki Airport, much like Barcelona Airport. No. They are plagued by Burger King rather no! than McDonald's. I know, I know. But get this. The Burger King at Helsinki Airport on the day that we were flying through had a very limited window for lunch and I was extremely hungry. I'm like, do you know what? Burger King will do. What yeah. do you think they didn't have any of in the restaurant? Please tell me they don't have the Whopper because that is the only thing worth eating at Burger King. Broader. You're Ketchup? Being, you're being too specific. Meat? They did not have any burgers. The Burger King should abdicate because meat burgers were absent from their menu that day, and the only thing that they could serve were the chicken dishes or the fish dishes. And the chicken quarter pounder is fucking vile. And I tell you that from personal experience, because it's the only thing they had available to order. Oh, man. You had one job, Burger King. Have fucking burgers. Anyway, I did make it home in time to watch uh, the Academy Awards. Bear in mind, because of the time difference, I watched the highlights the next day. Yeah. And watching the highlights is always a much better experience than sitting through the live ceremony. Although I did feel that not having the host made it a better experience. It just flew by. Yeah, I think that like that was one complaint, at least in this year. I didn't hear too many people complaining about uh, the fact that it was too long. I didn't watch it at all. Um it's really bizarre. Like it happens less than a mile from my house. And um, if you think it's kind of annoying being a movie fan and not being that into the Academy Awards, um, imagine if it like kind of got in the way of your life for like a solid eight to ten days every year because traffic is a nightmare. Yeah. You can't drive down the street like Hollywood Boulevard is my my main cross street to get home. I did. I so I didn't watch it, but I did lay on my couch and I just sort of followed along on Twitter with what was happening because I'm a little interested, but I'm more interested in the people's takes on it than I am of what's actually happening. Yeah, and as um, usual there was controversy. The, the, the Oscars always find a way to spring a couple of surprises, and I don't quite know how they do it. You see the way the rest of the awards are going. You follow from the Golden Globes through the, the Guild Awards to the BAFTAs, and then suddenly it's like Green Book comes from nowhere and wins Best Picture. A controversial choice because a lot of people think it's a perfectly fine movie, but pretty mediocre mediocre not deserving of that honor i haven't seen it i suddenly realized by the way i haven't seen the last three best picture winners so i decided to go back and last night i started watching moonlight which was the winner a couple of years back yeah. and um i'm only an hour into the film and i'm bored i'm really yeah. really bored i'm like what like, you know, I have some theories about Academy voting, which I'd probably better save for another podcast. I'm not really sure that this this is the place because it is a bit of a hot take. Um, but I had, you know, obviously Moonlight is one that's like a, it's like a, a tough watch for me because I don't really like super serious movies. And obviously it tackles some serious issues. But I had, you know, it was I, so I never saw it. And then Shape of Water uh, is a movie that I, I've never even considered watching, despite the fact that I really like Guillermo del Toro and I, it, on the surface you know it seems like kind of sci-fi -y, but I just can't bring myself to watch like a mostly silent movie about a lady fish love even though it won best picture and I'm sure I'd like it I'm sure I'd yeah. go oh this is beautiful but it's just one of those things that the the barrier to entry is really tough well it's on my list for sure once I've 
got through the dirge that is Moonlight. I did finally see Bohemian Rhapsody. It's a film we've referenced a few times on this podcast. And yeah. it's not a particularly good film, but I really, really enjoyed it. I really liked it. And I thought Rami Malek was fantastic because he really brought Freddie Mercury back to life. And the finale of the movie, where they recreate the Queen performance at Live Aid, which for many is the greatest live performance of all time, was just magical. And I'm very happy to see him rewarded with the Best Actor Prize. I hadn't I haven't seen it and it was one of these things where I've sort of been avoiding it a little bit because it's a movie that all of my friends who don't really have good taste in movies were saying is an amazing movie. It's my not. friends who are who are very easily swayed by a 90 or two hour long um, queen music video. Um, and I felt like a lot of the credit, and again, it's wrong for me to say this, but I felt like a lot of the credit the movie was getting was because it has fucking queen's music in it. Like, how do you fuck that up? Like, yeah. anytime the movie starts to lull, just play a queen song. And then have you seen the things that have been going around that it won for like best editing and people are posting clips of the movie, which. Um, the editing has, is not that strong. That's the weird yeah. thing. I mean, as it's I said, a, I found it quite a clunkily constructed film, but I just enjoyed it regardless. Yeah, and so I, I do kind of like one trend I'm seeing from the Academy is that they are starting to spread the love a little bit, which I kind of like. Uh, you know, the, it seems that the trend now is splitting Best Director and Best Picture, and there seems to be... There hasn't been like a movie that's just absolutely slaughtered in the last few years, it seems like. And I like that. I like that um, that different films are being recognized. They're, I think they're they're finally starting to to get to a place where I can maybe come back board, on board again one day. Last year, Get Out being, being nominated, or maybe it was two years ago, was big. Um, to finally have like a not sappy not historical biopic nomination was big for me and i'm hoping we see more of that in the future but this year there wasn't much yeah well we'll get on to poker stuff in just a moment but i want to take a brief moment to acknowledge how awesome patriot is thank you for the recommendation james i this like i know there's so much good tv and it's easy to be like oh i just watched this thing so this might be the best show i've ever seen patriot might be the best TV show I've ever seen. I blew through all 18 episodes in the space of a week. I, You've watched it all. I've watched the whole thing. It's, I mean, I'm just, I've like goosebumps talking to you about it right now because it is just, I, I don't even know how to describe the show, it, but it's beautiful and sad and funny oh, and it's exciting. So good. It's so and, good. And if I could just for a couple of seconds talk about my favorite scenes, the scene where he finally does give the speech to the piping conference um, and he does like an, I don't know how long that monologue is talking about flange hasps and nut reductors. And I was like, oh my God, this is fucking brilliant. And then the rock, paper, scissors scene. That is special. I just love all the callbacks. I love the fact they set up so many things in like the flashback sequences and the pre-credit sequences. And then maybe not then referred back to for like three or four episodes. But when they then happen... And you get the reference. It's just all ties together so beautifully. I, I, it, I couldn't recommend it strongly enough. Every character is like so vibrant and so robust and, and interesting. And there are so many shows where 
uh, they'll show you something about a side character and you're like, why am I watching this? Like, I don't care. Get to the main story. And, and these, you might feel that way for a few seconds with some of these characters. And then by the end, you love them. You, you love every single, every character. single yeah. character. And I'm, we, we should discuss it in more detail down the line when more people have had a chance to see it because it, I think it's an undiscovered gem. It's on Amazon Prime, and I think a lot of people haven't come across it or haven't seen it. So do invest your time in watching seasons one and two of Patriot. More TV talk later because we're going to talk about Billions season one. Uh, but right now, what's going on? Poker today. Now it is time for Poker in the Ears News. And first off, Joe, something that's not strictly speaking poker news, but is a poker talking point. What's going on with poker Twitter at the moment? And how many pictures of Vegas in the snow do we actually need to see? Well, I feel like those two things are like, but like to use that as your example of how broken poker Twitter is right now is a not even top 100 problem with poker Twitter, although it was mildly annoying. Um you saw me. I actually yeah. tweeted about it this week, and I I haven't been getting involved lately with anything because it's just not worth it, right? Like the things people are arguing about, it's just not worth it. Privately, I'll talk to some people and go, "Hey, I think this is a little messed up." But poker Twitter was so insufferable last week that I finally was like, "Ah, enough!" And I just was like, "You guys are all insufferable," and I worded it that way because. I wanted everyone to be able to think that I was maybe not talking about them, but guess what? I was talking about you. I, well, if you thought that I might have been talking about you, I was talking about you. It looks like I picked the right week to go on vacation and avoid social media. Let's talk about happy things then, and let's celebrate the success of David Peters, who won the U.S. Poker Open 100K main event for $1.32 million, also topping the USPO leaderboard to claim the US Poker Open Championship title and an additional 100K. D. Peters continues to crush, Joe. He does continue to crush, and I think it's high time we've had him on the show. I was going to be like, do you guys want to have him on the show? But you know what? Fuck it. I want to talk to D. Peters. I want to know more about that guy. Hopefully we can get him. I'm going to hit him up. I actually uh, took a quick trip to Vegas during the USPO and had my first tour of the poker go studio. And I don't think the footage of this place does it justice. It's cool in there. Like it's, I mean, depending on what you like, if you're a poker fan, I can imagine walking in there would be incredible because it's like, it's more like a clubhouse for the, for the high rollers and the super high rollers. Like I, I walked in and I wasn't expecting this. You walk in and there's like a bar. It's like a cool place for the bar. And then it's like, Justin Bonomo and Sam Greenwood and Dan Smith and Dan Shack and they're all just like hanging out. And then I walk into like the lounge area and it's like there's there's Reiner Kempa and uh, and Corey Aldemir and they're and I'm like, geez, what it's and it's just as if they took a super high roller tournament and yeah. put it in one building. Wow. Uh, it's a very surreal, weird, but super cool. It just makes you feel cool being in there. I, I really enjoyed it. Please tell me that you took uh, some pictures of the snow while you were in Vegas, Joe. I did not take pictures <laughs> of the snow, <laughs> um, although it fucked everything up. By the way, sorry, I wasn't going to get into this too much, but I have to just bring up the probably my biggest poker Twitter annoyance for the week was that there was a guy, James, who wrote a blog who likened himself to a World War One soldier from writing a blog. A blog, apparently, is just as dangerous as sticking your head out of a trench in World War One. What is wrong with you people? Sorry. More happy vibes, more pleasant thoughts. <laughs> 
Lex Live is a thing. That's right. Lex Veldhaus is going to have his own live event, a spring festival at the Grand Casino de Namur in Belgium at the end of March, the 27th to the 31st of March, just after EPT Sochi. It's basically... I kind of run it up Europe style event, I guess. A series yeah, of low buy and MTTs with a 225 euro main event. But I just think this again shows how big a deal Lex is becoming in the poker world. I mean, look, run it up doesn't have uh, Jason's name right in it. This is Lex live. This is, I mean, this is what it says on the tin. Come play live with Lex. You know, James, I love these low buy in festivals. You know, I think that. Uh, bringing big names to hang out with regular people and playing small buy-in tournaments is the is the way of the future. I love this idea. I'm a little jealous that I can't be involved in it in any way. It doesn't seem like I'm going to be, uh, but this is exactly the kind of thing that should be happening. So congratulations to Lex, and I, I hope it's huge. Uh, what's this story from Bogata you wanted to talk about? Well, I think it's kind of interesting that Jesse Sylvia, who's always been a, a, a an interesting guy in poker and in general a guy whose takes I can – get on board with and he's kind and supportive uh both he and his fiance ashley uh i believe her name is ashley sleeth uh they both won tournaments at borgata wow and i thought it would be fun to have them on together possibly what do you think of that idea that sounds like a nice idea yeah he's a good kid we've never had him on the show and i think uh, i think i'd be interested to talk to him and get to know him a little bit better well, we are getting the guests lined up now uh finally poker in the years is now on spotify everyone we've made it happen Cool. I'd like to take the credit, but producer Ben made it happen. Ben, nice work. I have a question, which uh, are you allowed to put things on Spotify like without there being royalties involved? It used to be very hard to get podcasts on Spotify. They've opened it up now. And if you have an RSS feed, as we do, which pushes to iTunes and everywhere else, yeah. then you can feed off that. And now the entire back catalog of Poker in the Ears, going back to the EPT Not Live days, and new episodes will all be on that streaming service. Okay, but do we get do we make like three cents a click or anything? Oh, like I see. You think artists do? No, 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 no. We no. just we just we just get the glory of having our content actually listened to. Yeah, no, that's fine. Not that I would ever expect that I would see that money. I was just curious if no. you know if like there would be like eight dollars in our Spotify account at the end of the year. <laughs> oh, bless you. Um, <laughs> So I just want to give a quick shout out, by the way, to one of our former super fans who's now streaming on Twitch. In the last episode or a couple of episodes ago, we heard from Christopher Wathen, who's been on the show as a super fan, and he did our six plus review. And Georgina James, uh, GJ Reggie, is also now streaming on Twitch as well. So I like this, the fact that people who were poker fans, who watch our content, used to watching live streams, are now streaming themselves. That that pathway is easier than ever with Twitch. You know, a lot of folks that you guys uh, know and love today, folks like Jason Somerville, Finton Hand, uh, they were poker fans first, and they went out there and they started broadcasting. And look at them now. So, Georgina, good for you. You know, a lot of folks come to me and they say, "How do I get to do what you do?" And I go, well, first of all, that's crazy. I don't know why anyone would want to do this. But second of all, do it. You can do it on your own now. So, congrats, Georgina. And on the subject of female Twitch streamers, let's introduce this week's guest on Poker in the Years. You asked for her to appear on the show. We brought her onto the podcast. Please welcome to the show, Vanessa Cade. Hello, how are you guys doing? Great, hey, thank Vanessa. you very much for agreeing to come on the show. Uh, here by popular demand, people requested you as a guest. Um, I have to confess, uh, 
not someone I know a lot about, other than you were on a feature table at the PCA a few years ago, and I believe you used to work in the gaming industry. That's right, yes. Yeah, I was on that feature table for a grand total of maybe 10 minutes, I think. But the and, point uh, is you were there, yes, and I, I remember that. In the gaming industry. <laughs> so what did you do in gaming? Um, I was a producer for video games. I worked what? at uh, and Lucasfilm and Disney for a little bit there. See, this is where Joe gets ridiculously jealous, Vanessa, because he's trying <laughs> to work out why anyone would quit working in video games to play poker. Yeah, it's surprisingly more stressful than you would think. I mean, it's good. It's good fun. And I wouldn't rule out going back to it and doing it again at some point. But uh, but playing poker is definitely less stressful. <laughs> really? Yes. What is it that's stressful about the video game industry? It's just how competitive it is and the deadlines and stuff like that? Uh, definitely the deadlines are a factor. If you're a producer, you're basically running a, a portion of the project or or an entire project and these teams can be anywhere from like 10 to 300 people large and so there's always like a variety of of issues kind of across the board and a lot of hours what uh, games did you work on for lucas uh, or wherever you were at i assume that you're too young to have worked on stuff like sam and max but what games were, were there uh, I worked on some Star Wars games for LucasArts. I worked on Dragon Age for Bioware, and I worked on Club Penguin for Disney. What uh, what Star Wars games? Uh, some Battlefront stuff uh, and a DS game that ended up getting shelved. <laughs> wow what is your what is your favorite game that you worked on? Which one did you were you proudest of? Uh, probably Dragon Age. It's more like the type of game I'd like to play. Like I really like the fantasy games. Dragon Age was very, very good. It was probably the. It was a little, I think, too dense for me. But it was the first like type of game like that that I really got into. I think because it started to become more accessible for people like me right around Dragon Age. Awesome. I hear what you're saying about the stress factor, Vanessa, because we all heard the stories that came out of Rockstar when they were trying to get Red Dead Redemption 2 uh, in stores by last fall. Uh, but how did you end up falling into the world of poker? Well, actually, when I was working at Bioware, um, they had like a lunchtime poker game twice a week, and it was just a $5 buy-in with a single table tournament. And one of my friends was like, you should come and watch this. I think you'd like playing poker. And so I was like, all right, I'll come, I'll come check it out. And, uh, and I watched it. I'm like, yeah, this definitely seems like something I would like. Can you show me how to play? And so he taught me how to play. And luckily he was like a, a good player. Cause I think if I had learned from like a bad player, I just have been screwed from the beginning basically. <laughs> uh, but I started playing those lunchtime games all the time and they keep a leaderboard. And after like a month, it's always the same people over and over and over again. So you get really used to like how they play. Um, and after, after like a month or two, I just started winning those pretty frequently. And then they convinced me to play like a, a $20 monthly game, which I started playing. And then they had a, a quote unquote high stakes game once a year at Christmas. And it was a hundred dollar buy-in. And at the time I wasn't making very much money. So I was like, ah, no way. That's like, that's like half an Xbox. I'm not going to play that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and so they spent like three months telling me you should play this. You should play this. And eventually I was like, all right, fine. And I remember 
I tried to hedge my bets with uh, this friend of mine who had taught me how to play. And I made him a deal that if uh, either of us had made the money that we would pay each other back the $100 entry, basically. And uh, look at that. Very- you're like, what? you're like, you're like one week <laughs> into playing poker and you already figured out swaps. <laughs> I wouldn't have known what that was called at the time. I was just like looking to not lose like what felt like a lot of money at the time. Uh, <laughs> and the very first hand, my friend, uh, my friend got was busted. And we heard like two players out the first hand. I'm like, what the heck? And look over. And he had like an ace high flush. Someone else had a king high flush. And a third person had a straight flush. So there goes my insurance the first <laughs> oh, hand. Oh, <man. laughs> uh, but I ended up winning that tournament for like $1,500 or something like that, which was like, I was like winning the lottery at the time. So I was like, man, I love poker. Poker's that awesome. Would, that would still be <laughs> my biggest poker score. <laughs> it's interesting you took uh, the uh, old school route, though, Vanessa, via live poker, because if if you just looked at it on paper and yeah. someone worked in the video games industry and then came into poker, you'd automatically think, oh, yeah, they discovered the online game. Yeah, actually, I never really played online until I started streaming. And it was a huge adjustment to like, the first thing that became immediately obvious is I am so much better at live poker than than online <laughs> poker. Like, I, I didn't realize how much I rely on like, seeing a person to give me a sense of the strength of their hand. Until I started playing online. So when did you make that transition to online? When did you start streaming? Uh, just over a year ago. About a year, year and a half ago, decided to give streaming a shot. Um, we're still getting better at the online game, but I know I've definitely like improved significantly basically in the last year and a half here. I think it's a very brave decision for anyone who decides to put themselves out there and stream themselves playing and have every move they make, every decision they make critiqued by the audience. And I think that is amplified to the factor of 50 if you are female, because sadly, there is still a lot of, at best, casual sexism, at worst, grotesque misogyny on that platform, and it can't be easy to deal with. I would agree, generally speaking. Like, I feel like, um, to be honest, uh, I don't get as much criticism as I thought I was going to get. Like, uh, I, I genuinely don't. Um, however, I think the flip side to that is that I don't necessarily get as much credit i think as as maybe some of the male streamers it's hard to say exactly but um you know i feel like there's a little bit more of the like well if i if i win a hand i got lucky and i got there or something and if i if i don't win a hand then i played it wrong or something like that you know if i do like a failed bluff i get like a little bit a little bit more criticism for it or folding like a range that people folding or opening a range that people don't agree with they're a little bit vocal in chat but i've watched the male streamers too and they definitely get they definitely get probably about the same amount i would say i think it hurts more in terms of like the the twitch audience clearly wants to watch someone they think they can learn off of and maybe there's a little bit of that mentality like oh well girls aren't very good at poker so um you know, I, I don't know if I, I don't know if that harms like um, how many people will actually stick around to watch the poker itself. 
Do you, uh, so obviously there's two aspects to when you're streaming poker. There's the poker playing aspect of it. And then there's also the aspect of being an entertainer and being a personality. Do you feel as if you're getting the credit you're due in that category? Uh, I think so. I think from, uh, I think from, from definitely um, our chat regulars and stuff like that, they definitely think it's an entertaining stream for the most part. I've switched it up a little bit recently, and uh, I'm doing streams while walking on a treadmill. And before that, like, usually I do, like, a lot of stuff to kind of try to make it entertaining. Like, we've got little video clips, and I'll, like, play the recorder very poorly if we if somebody like sucks out in a hand or like gets uh you know gets it in bad and gets there kind of thing even if it's me i'll i'll play this little gg easy noobs clip and like it's got bad recorder playing with it so i'll play along with it and we have like onesie nights on saturday where i'll wear like a ridiculous costume and some of the drunk streams we've done we did like uh for follower goals i try to make like an interesting stream uh so when we hit, I think it was like 11,111 followers or something, we did a reverse strip poker stream with alcohol. <laughs> That's great. It, it's, it's, not, it's not sexy in any way, I promise. It's like you, I started with a T-shirt, and every time we busted a tournament, uh, I was adding an article of clothing. Until no, that's wearing, really like, oh. clever. I, I love that. That's <laughs> hilarious because you get the same like name recognition of just using the word strip <laughs> poker, but you make it the least controversial thing possible by adding clothes. I think it's very funny. Except then I got asked 18 million times like, oh, so are you starting off naked? <laughs> like, of course right. not. Obviously. But it was pretty funny. And like uh, usually with the drink, the drunk streams, we make some kind of uh, make some kind of rule. I think in this case, it was like every time I was dealt an ace, I had to take a shot or something like that. So uh, they get they get pretty uh, <laughs> they get pretty interesting after a little bit. Uh, but lately, I've been doing like treadmill streams, and it's definitely more difficult to do those things. So until until we're done with these streams, uh, it's probably going to be more focused on uh, this hypothetical prop bet. I'm going to see if I can set up. Well, please tell us more about that. <laughs> I basically, there was a, I can't take credit for this idea. There was a streamer maybe about uh, just over a year ago or maybe about a year ago. He used to stream walking from a treadmill, which I thought was brilliant. Like, it's really difficult if you're streaming to do that and get exercise at the same time because... Uh, a lot of people don't know how much work goes on behind the scenes for streams. It takes a lot of work. Like whenever you're not streaming, you have to do a bunch of stuff to kind of maintain it or promote it or put stuff on social media. Um, and it's it's a ton of work and it's hard to get exercise into. So I saw this and I'm like, oh my God, that's brilliant. The streamer's name, by the way, I want to give him credit, is Purple Pill. Uh, he kind of disappeared off the face of the earth. I hope he's all right somewhere. But uh, anyway, he did the he did these walking streams, and I always thought it was brilliant, and that you could like turn it into some kind of some kind of creative bet or challenge or something of some sort. So this year, uh, I bought a walking treadmill, basically just uh, around New Year's, and um, set it up here just at the start of February. And my idea was basically to see if I could walk the distance between my house here in Kelowna, BC in Canada and the Rio in Las Vegas before the world series of poker starts. <laughs> Walk to Vegas. <laughs> yeah. And it's like 1,883 kilometers or 
1,170 miles, which loosely translates into like 16 and a half miles a day. And I'm basically starting from being sedentary for the last six months. So uh, I just started this week uh, just to see if it was viable because it, I like I know this is like this is a bet that I'm going to fail probably seven times out of 10 at least uh just like just even after this week I've got like a blue toenail and blisters on my feet it looks like one of my toes is growing a second toe <laughs> and it's just it's uh I'm in rough shape after only a week so I know this is a, a potentially rough bet but I thought it's uh I thought it's also potentially an interesting one so I'm gonna see if I can turn that into a prop bet of some sort uh for like a WSOP stake or something like that I wish that I had the uh, the Bill Perkins money to be able to like I'll take you up on your prop bet because uh, I think it's interesting and I would I wouldn't I mean I'd I'd wish I had the money to do the things the way he does too where he kind of wants you to win um, because I wouldn't be doing it as a money making venture I think it's a I think it's a great idea um, my question for you Vanessa is what do you want out of all of this uh do you want to be like a full-time poker streamer and and personality do you want to have a tv career or whatever people consider tv now like what is it that what, what's your goal in all this i think um the ideal end game for me would be to have like a a sponsorship that would involve traveling some sort of circuit half the time and streaming half the time I, I really love my twitch community and i love streaming online and i wouldn't want to give that up for anything but also i really miss traveling and uh, and i really love live poker and it's an arena where i feel like uh like a lot stronger player in as well so i really really enjoy it um so i think i think that's the the ideal outcome for me in the meantime i'm just trying to grow my stream um and uh you know trying to put out some good content I, I enjoy making good content and uh and putting out the streams for people we do like a lot of home games too in the in the poker stars home game club and some free rolls every week and stuff so there's a there's a lot of like community involvement there and, and our community is quite interactive looking back 10 or 15 years ago vanessa did you ever see yourself in this situation i mean what was the ambition growing up did you always did you fall into video games accidentally or was that always an objective uh at the time i had taught myself how to program and i was working as a programmer uh before i got into video games and uh i kind of just chose that as like the next logical step because i really enjoyed playing games and at the time i was working on like just business applications that I really wasn't interested in. So it seemed like a step up from where I was at at the time. And I wanted to step out of programming and basically into something that crossed a lot more realms. Like if you're a producer, it's a lot more uh, the business side of things, looking out for like spending the budget in a way that makes sense for the consumer. So you're involved in like aspects of design and art and programming and marketing and the legal side and like just all of these different aspects that make it a really interesting job all the time. So that really appealed to me um, for sure, but it's not something I had planned out before I actually got into it. And then, uh, and then poker after that was not something I planned either. Actually, when I quit my first job uh, at Bioware, uh, it was the first gaming job, they asked if I was leaving to play professional poker, and I laughed. 
<laughs> I, was, I was like, obviously not. Like, that's insane. Um, and then uh, and then what was funny is years later, I actually remember a conversation with my dad who was, uh, who was like a businessman. He's passed away a few years ago now. But um, he, uh, he basically, we were talking about poker and I was clearly interested in it. Uh, and, and he is like asking me how much it would cost for me to play like big tournaments until I was successful enough at them that I could, I could be a professional, excuse me, a professional poker player. And I was trying to explain to him, it was like impossible to estimate like what kind of bankroll that would take because it depends on, on how lucky I got over like, you know, a number of live tournaments and stuff. And he was actually encouraging me to stop the business venture I was trying to start and uh and go play professional poker basically which is which is an insane suggestion coming from him and i didn't end up doing that until uh, actually after he passed away so uh i don't know it's it's funny how things turn out because yeah. uh, i would have never expected that recommendation from him either but he actually grew up gambling his way through university to like to pay his way through university with like pool and shuffleboard so i guess that environment is not foreign to him either well, he obviously saw something in you that uh, let him know that you would uh, have a knack for it. And it turns out he was right. I guess I, I have just one last question, which is, would it would you ever go back to the video game world? Would, would there ever be an amount of notoriety that you would uh, get as a poker player and offer you could get to go back and go back to that world? Uh, I wouldn't rule it out. I definitely think that's a possibility. But for now, I'm definitely happy in poker. So long as I can sustain this with What's like a minimal like? amount. What's it like being happy in poker? Is that? <laughs> is it... uh, it's it's uh, it's about not focusing on the daily results. <laughs> Just try to. I have a very oh, short memory. Oh, I see. Don't focus on one results. of my best qualities. <laughs> Great. So when this game I've got prepared for you goes horribly wrong, you won't remember it for very long. That's right. It's super <laughs> early here, so I, I'm going to be bad at it anyway. <laughs> okay, wonderful. Vanessa, easy game here. It's called Stadium Vanessa Arcadium. Oh, and it is God. an easy game. You just have to answer the questions. They have a theme. Like, for example... This was the ninth studio album released by the Red Hot Chili Peppers in 2006. <laughs> yeah, that sounds super easy. Okay. No, it's the James help around. James can always help out with the first question, the example question. Stadium Arcadium. There we go. Oh, okay. All right. Okay. Yeah, that should have been obvious. <laughs> so there is a uh, so there's a theme to the questions. Here we go. Real question number one. What was the name of the fictional arcade from the movie Wayne's World, without which the movie Bohemian Rhapsody probably would have been named Bicycle Bicycle? <laughs> uh, I have no idea, based on your description, like Wayne's Arcade. <laughs> Is it called Wayne's World? <laughs> you had half no of idea. the answer right, which means you understand how the game is played and you're already winning as far as poker players are concerned. <laughs> it was called Noah's Arcade. Noah's Arcade. Uh, question number two. A modulation or inflection of voice, a rhythmical flow or pattern is called... Oh my God, it's obviously some kind of song, but it has to have the word arcade in it. 
doesn't have to have this song arcade. It has it has it has the the word Cade in it. Cade. Just just Cade, not Cade, arcade. Cadence. Cadence, Cadence is correct. There we go. All right. She is on the board. Question <laughs> number three: A mid two thousands TV show starring Amber Tamlin about a teenage girl who's visited by God. Never heard of it. Um, no, <laughs> I don't Joan, know that one. Joan of Arcadia. Joan of Arcadia. Oh, okay, I don't think I saw that one. Uh, question number four: This out-of-work actor is famous for having been a regular house guest of O.J. Simpson's and even testified at his murder trial. <laughs> oh, this is this is a shoehorn. Wait, is this is a shoehorn. I think I actually know the guy you're referring to. He like lived in his shed or something, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But but I can't think of his name. It's obviously Cade something. <laughs> well, it's Kato Kalen. So I'm gonna I'm gonna Kato say that, the, the, That's right. oh. that that one I... not being exactly a Cade does not belong <laughs> in this quiz. Kato Kalen. Kato Kalen. Kato Kalen. It's Cade. Kato Kalen. Okay. Um, <laughs> And finally, if something has been sanctioned or giving uh, given approval for, it's been. <laughs> oh my God! Let's say that James was like super, even more Irish than he is. His name would be James O'Hardigan. So your super Irish last okay. name would be okay. That's right. If something has been sanctioned or given approval for, it's been okay. Oh and guess my what? god! Oh, this, you you did it to me. There's a pun. <laughs> this game has not neither been sanctioned nor approved of nor okayed. Vanessa Cade, thank you for your time. I'm so sorry for the game. <laughs> thank you so much for the chat, you guys. Party all night, feel like the song Drink a drinking all night long Shake a leg with rum in a bit And everybody feel nice with party as one Party all night, feel like the song Drink a drinking all night long Shake a leg with rum in a bit And everybody feel nice with party as one So from now on, when you hear this music you know it's the cue that we are going to unveil the latest instalment in The Life of Stapes. Because while I was on holiday, as Joe teed up at the start of the show, he's been a busy boy. We heard about your trip to Vegas, Joe. What else has been happening in The Life of Stapes? Copyright PokerStars 2019. Well, I'm trying. I love this, by the way. This is great. Uh, I'm trying to do something ambitious. My roommate is gone for a month. And uh, James, you can see behind me, my poker room, my, my loft is right above her bedroom. And so uh, since she's gone for a month, I was like, guess what? I'm going to try to host a game every Monday night for the next four Mondays. And I had my first one uh, this two nights ago. Well, spoiler alert, we know about this already because Jennifer Tilly tweeted a picture from that game. Yes, and it's so ridiculous because when I have these people over, I'm very careful to like just protect their privacy. They might not want people to know they're at my house playing poker. I'm not trying to use it as a way to to off my social media profile. But then at at the end of the night that night, like I didn't have my phone out, and all of a sudden I see Jen was not only tweeting about the game, but posted four or five Instagram stories 
uh, from the game as well. So I was like, okay, I guess we're fine with it. Uh, this was a this was a really interesting game that came together, and basically, you know from the social media that not only was Jen here, but uh, Norm Macdonald was here as well. There's another idea and, for a guest. Yeah, you know what though? Here's the thing: Norm's a nightmare. Norm's a <laughs> fucking nightmare. He's when you get him, he's great and he's hilarious, and I would love to have him on the show. But uh, basically, I invited Norm last week, and he's like, "Yeah, sounds fun." Then on Sunday, and by the way, Norm doesn't drive. Uh, Norm has not driven since he's been a teenager. And he also has an aversion to taxis. He likes being given rides by people he knows. So I said, look, Norm, I know you don't drive. I'll come pick you up if you want to play in my home game. And I do not live all that close to Norm. Norm lives about round trip, not round trip, but like having to take roads it takes it's like a 15 or 20 miles so i was like i'll pick you up but you just got to let me know because that's a long trip and i got to be back here in time to host the game didn't reply to that on sunday night i'm like hey man let me know if you can pick you up didn't reply monday i call him do you need to be picked up didn't reply i'm here we're 30 minutes into the game jennifer's here everyone's here and uh he calls me and he goes, I thought you were, I thought you were gonna pick me up. And I was like, Norm, I can't pick you up during the game. So I'm like, can you take an Uber? If you take an Uber, I will drive you home later. And he's like, okay, yeah, sure. So he doesn't know how Uber works. I have to get him the Uber. <laughs> he's like, I don't know how to do it. And I'm like, okay, fine, I'll get because I really want him at my game, right? So I'm just jumping through all these hoops to get him here. And we finally get him here. And uh, once once he's here and everyone's having a good time, my, my stress level goes down. I lose a ton of money in the game, but I'm having so much fun. And you know when the host is like broke, when the host stops playing, people then don't want to stick around. So I kept like buying back into the game oh, even though I had Joe. gone well beyond my limit. And I finally did something, James, in a cash game that I would seen so many of my idols do where I went broke. And then I went broke, and then I borrowed money from the guy who busted me, and then I went broke again to him. So you now have markers with everyone else in the game? Uh, with at least one person in the game, yes. I owe $400 to one person in the game. Uh, and then what happened was there was a certain point where Jennifer was like, do you have any snacks? And I was like, oh, my God. First of all, by the way, we're two days after the Academy Awards, and I have an Academy Award one day after the Academy Awards, like Jen had been at the Elton John Academy Award party the night before she's at my house. So I'm like kind of geeking out a little bit. And she's like, do you have any snacks? And I was like, yes. And I was like, fuck, I meant to buy snacks, but I didn't because. Joe, that's the cardinal rule of having a home game. you got to keep the cupboard stocked. I know. And I went to the grocery store to buy beer and water and like some nice sparkling water. But because. Do you ever do this thing where you walk into the grocery store and I never think I need a shopping cart? No, I always sit the biggest, biggest trolley available. And if I don't fill it, I don't fill it. See, I'm so stupid. And I was like, I can get away without a shopping cart. So I'm like juggling like a case of beer and some sparkling water. And I was like, just didn't have room in my arms for some chips. So Jen's like, do you have any potato chips? And I go downstairs and all I have are like, I have like three bags of chips, but they're all like the bottom of the bag. It's just like broken potato chips and i'm like i can't serve like these crumbs to any guest let alone jen 
And eventually I did. Eventually I just brought up like a bowl of like crumbs of crackers. And she's like, this is fine. No big <laughs> deal. But I was so embarrassed. I was just so, so embarrassed. Uh, the game went till about 1.30 in the morning. There was a huge all in hand uh, between Todd Anderson of Poker Night in America, Norm McDonald, and Jennifer Tilly, all of whom were really deep stacked. I mean, this is a $2, $3 game I run. And they all had about two grand in front of them. Wow. Not not quite two grand. Sorry. They had about 1200 bucks in front of them. Todd ends up winning this three-way all-in uh, for about uh, about $2,600, $2,700. Norm McDonald's aces. Jennifer's ace king. Todd has king-queen suited. Two queens on the flop. Wow. Scoops a huge pot. But, uh, Norm and, and Todd bust Jennifer. Uh, and that pretty much ends the game, at which point I had to drive Norm home <laughs> at two o'clock in the morning. My I have a tandem parking space, so it's my park. I have two spaces, but one blocks the other one in. And so we go down to the garage and uh, my girlfriend's car is blocking mine in. And so I have to take Norm back upstairs to my apartment, get my girlfriend's keys, move my girlfriend's car, oh, put Norm in the car, God. drive Norm home. As we're doing this, one of my neighbors comes home at like two in the morning and just stops dead in his tracks and goes, you're Norm McDonald. What are you doing here? Why are you here? He's like grilling Norm while I'm moving the cars. <clears throat> drive Norm home, get back at four o'clock in the morning, move the cars back around and then I live in like a kind of a, a – I'll just call it a vibrant part of Hollywood, and there's a lot of sh- street people around. And I get home, and I go to bed, and I hear some noise in my apartment, and I'm like, oh, did I forget? You know, I should just go check all the, the patio doors, the balcony doors because I live on the top floor, and if you're on the roof and people are often sleeping on the roof, uh, they can jump down onto my balcony. So I get up out of bed at like 4.15, go check the doors. Not only is it unlocked, I've left the balcony door open. The one is very easily accessible by people who have just gained access to the building. So now I got to go back to my bedroom and grab a baseball bat and check all the rooms of the apartment to make sure nobody's climbed in while I'm gone. I mean, I I know that weird shit can happen at home games, but how do you manage to have so many ridiculous incidents in one night? I mean, those are just the things I can tell you about. Oh, and the best part of the night was probably when Norm told Jennifer that she won an Academy Award. (gasps) I think she would know. She was was like, no, I didn't. And he was adamant. (laughs) He was adamant that she had won an Academy Award. And of course, because it's Norm, it's hilarious. And Jen has the best sense of humor. She wasn't offended at all. But uh, very fun night. Uh, I've got another game coming up next week. Uh, Josh Molina's coming back. Some of the guys that are at my home game the first time around. And maybe we'll get Norm back out here for some more shenanigans. But uh, the only other thing about the life of Stapes, which you guys can all join in on, because hopefully uh, hopefully you've you've caught up with us. But I watched season one of Billions this uh, this past week. Well, hang on. Just before we go into that, you're, you're selling your action in the uh, oh, my action. shooting star. Yes, sorry. So I've got uh, – I'm, I'm selling about – I think I'm selling – 3,500 worth of action? No, maybe... I think I'm selling 2Ks worth of action, and I have 1,800 left. (laughs) So... Still plenty of time uh, to get involved. Still plenty of time. I will say that... 
I'm selling it in very small increments. I think the smallest increment you can buy is like 20 bucks. And again, I just want to remind people, it's for a fun sweat. There's no markup. If I win, you win. Uh, I will not be profiting off of this at all. I have a feeling that maybe I'll end up uh, taking – I'll just uh, – at the, at the, I'm going to be totally transparent and honest here is that at the last minute when I go, you know what? I've decided that I want to have a bigger piece of myself. That's going to be translation for it didn't sell. I like that. But I, I love the fact that you've got a plan, and I love the fact that you're letting us in on the plan. Um, Billions, season one. So this is the first time you've seen the show. Yes. And so I wasn't sure whether or not I should admit that. So I've kind of been like ambiguously talking about watching Billions, but I'm not spe- specifying whether it's a rewatch or for the first time. I don't think you. There's enough going on that no one should be expected to necessarily see it when it originally aired. The key is that you watch it. Yeah, I don't think it would really matter to to Brian specifically. Um, but I really, really like this show. Um, it's it is incredibly enjoyable. Um, there is yeah. a massive disparity to me between the likability of the show and the likability of the characters because there is literally nobody in this show who is likable. I actually thought that this was the ultimate cast of unlikable characters until I saw Succession, which almost kind of one-ups Billions. But even when you think there's a glimmer of hope that you think that, oh, maybe I'm going to like this person, no. Okay, so that's how I felt about The Sopranos. I don't actually feel that way about these guys do i think first of all you don't think that wendy is a likable character it's interesting that you think wendy's likable because we've had this conversation in the office and by the way we're going to be talking about the show as if you've seen it we're not going to go into what it's about and who the characters are if you haven't seen billions you're going to have to just kind of scrub through this section of the show and by Uh, the way before we get into talking about specifics of the show what my general overall thoughts of the show is that it's it is really schlocky but it does it super well. Like it's just the people I don't think some people really like realism in their television. And I can get behind that shows like the wire, whatever shows that are procedurals. I actually really enjoy a show like this where every line of dialogue is just handcrafted and everything is a zinger and everything is just a punch to the face. I like that. That's my favorite thing about this show. The writing is very much on point and something that we reference a lot with TV shows is their inability to burn through story, to string out a plot which really should take three episodes and and turn it into a 13-episode season. This flies by and there's enough subplots to complement the main narrative yeah. to keep the pacey to keep this pacey uh it's incredibly watchable and you're absolutely right joe i mean if you think about it the whole relationship between these three characters the idea that this woman would be able to be married to the you know yeah. new york attorney and work for the guy he's investigating is ridiculous but if you can look past that and enjoy this bizarre triangle that is created with these three characters but yeah it's been a conversation point in the office where some people say oh no but wendy's really likable I disagree. I think Wendy is – there's very little sympathetic about Wendy Rhodes. Now, you've seen more of it than I have, right? Keep in mind, I just finished season one last night. And for the majority of this season – now, not to say she's not self-serving because sure. she is. But for the majority of the season, she really does seem to be trying to find the most amicable resolution to this. 
And maybe uh, I am coloured by what I've seen in the later seasons. I find it okay. very hard to separate seasons one, two, and three. One thing I will say in advance, Joe, and this is why I feel you're in for a treat, this is a show that I think gets stronger with every season. And oh, I think great. possibly the last season that I saw, season three, is the strongest. Uh, and set the second season, certainly, you're really, really going to like. And there is a key character who is introduced in the second season who, for me, makes this show. Um Yes, early doors, I think you do also sometimes think, well, actually, I quite like Axe. There is something quite likable about him. He's got a swagger about him. And okay, he kind of plays fast and loose with the rules, but I kind of admire that go-getter attitude. And then he does something which makes you realize he's just an absolute you-know-what. And then Chuck, you think, well, actually, you know, he's he's doing the right thing. He's going after these people. But then you realize how self-serving it is. Yeah. And also the corners that he cuts and the way that he skirts the, the line of the law to get what he wants. And then you think, well, maybe Brian, maybe he's the hero of the piece. No, he's a bit of a dick as well. And you realize everyone is focused on themselves. It's very much a story about people who are pursuing their own interests and they will fuck over everyone around them to achieve their individual goals and objectives. Yeah, and I think that that is... Um that's certainly accurate. We haven't gotten to, in the parts that I've watched. Brian hasn't really shown himself to be much more than a Boy Scout at this point. He was sort of the early front runner for me too. For like, oh, I just kind of like this guy. This guy seems decent. Uh, and I think that when you make a show that's all about the characters, like just just stopping at nothing to achieve their goals, I do think it makes for some pretty compelling TV a lot of the time. And I I don't I hopefully this doesn't come out bad, but like I think that you know Axe and and uh, and Chuck are the same. I mean, they're they're and I think they're that's basically the same. They're yeah. absolutely intentional, and even though they are two incredibly contrasting characters, cast very differently. Um, and again, love Paul Giamatti, love Damian Lewis. Both are exceptional. Paul Giamatti, he's just like he's like Ugh. like you can just hear that like him breathing and his like scowling in every scene. And that uh, the, so like I said, I just finished season one and his like monologue speech at the end of season one when he's like standing in the, the ripped apart Axe Capital offices and just delivers that monologue. It's just like, you're like, it's so, it's it's melodrama, but it's so good. Oh, the scene where that office just gets ripped apart is just amazing. Um, there are so many highlights I remember from the first season. Just the reveal of the strangeness of Chuck and Wendy's relationship and the, uh, the sadomasochism in their relationship. It's just, it's the details like that that they don't make a huge thing out of, but it's there and it becomes an undertone that runs throughout the series. And again, for a moment when you think that Lara, Axe's wife, might actually be a likable character and then the way she goes around scuppering that woman's book deal to ensure yeah. that she's protecting her husband and protecting her family and he realizes, no again you're just as bad as everyone else um it's it's it, it's a real contrast because i find it sometimes quite hard to watch because i find the people so despicable but it's just so addictive and so well written and so well performed that it's impossible not to like and you have to salute the writers Brian Koppelman, David Levy, and Andrew Ross Sorkin, but also all the guest writers as well. But also there's some strong directors working on this as well. James Foley, oh, yeah. who made Glen Gary, Glen Ross uh, direct a few episodes. John Dahl, who directed Rounders, also written by Brian Koppelman, uh, directed a couple of episodes, I believe. Um, it's uh, and what, what network does it air on in the States? It's not HBO, right? Showtime. Showtime, because everything over here is Sky Atlantic, so I, I lose track of what's HBO and what's, and what's Showtime. Um, 
But no, I, I and I think that this really, this first season is very much setting up the characters, not just the main characters, but also people like Dollar Bill who I think is a, an, an amazing character and sets them up for how the story develops over the next two seasons, particularly season two, which I guess we're going to get into next week. Yeah, Dollar Bill scares the fuck out of me. He is really, like, I'm kind of scared of what that guy could be capable of. The show is popcorn. It is, you just want another buttery, delicious bite. Every time you watch what I find myself doing work being like, man, can I squeeze in another episode of Billions right now? It is that kind of show where I just want to keep watching it. It's just candy. It's like absolute, just fun. Just like and like I said, and every line is a haymaker, which is I really like. Like every single line is like, let's let's write the best, most descriptive, interesting line possible for every line of this. And I love it. Yeah, and you've got 12 episodes to blow through before we record next week's podcast because season two is 12 episodes long. Yeah, they're all 12 episodes long. Luckily, this hasn't felt like a chore at all. And it's something that I assume that – I mean, I I was a little bit – had a deadline because we were doing the podcast this morning. So I watched two episodes last night after open mic, uh, which I probably wouldn't have done because I was a little bit tired. But uh, in general, uh, it's it's not difficult for me to get through that number of episodes because it's just such a fun ride. So I guess you haven't got any time to watch uh, movies that have been set to certain superfan subjects. I haven't, but I, I know this one pretty well. Yes, that was a segue. One of them loves the EPT, knows it inside out, and would do anything for the European Poker Tour. The other one is Joe Stapleton. It's Superfan versus Stapes. Well, this week, we welcome to the Poker in the Ears podcast, Neil Collins. Hi there, Neil. Hello, how are you? I, look, we got a peek at Neil's Skype camera before we we started going here. Why don't you tell everyone what's on top of your head? I'm wearing a, a Nostromo hat, a trucker cap, which is featured heavily in the movie, just showing my geekdom, unfortunately. I love I'll, it. He's dressing I'll, for the part, Joe. He's picked Alien as a specialist subject, and he's kitted out in Alien attire. I like the uh, the dressing for the part. I like the nerdiness. I do wonder though, because it is a very authentic looking hat. If anyone, if you wore it out in public, if anyone would like accuse you of stolen valor, they'd be like, "You didn't serve on the Nostromo." <laughs> no doubt. Yeah, I'll have to watch that if I'm ever in the states. Actually, yeah. If you had served on the Nostromo, you'd be dead. Um, the key yeah. thing, and this is commitment Spoiler. for you, Joe. This is real super fandom for you. Neil is up at 2 o'clock in the morning, New Zealand time. Australian, but still, same. For some reason, I thought you were in New Zealand. No, that would be factually incorrect. He is in Old Zealand, James. And (laughs) that makes me sad, Neil, because I thought we were finally going to be able to award someone an EPT satellite ticket. But if you're in Australia, Uh I can't make that happen. I know. I'm so sad I could move there. Well, uh, several people who take their online poker very seriously have relocated there. Uh, I take it the opportunity for you to play has diminished somewhat in recent years. Uh, yeah, I'm done, I think. You know, no, I'm done. No, it's, yeah, the, when, when was it now? Was it 2015 or something when the government decided it'd be a great idea to ban the thing they can't tax properly? And where are you from originally, Neil? Because you don't sound particularly Australian or Kiwi for that matter. 
Well spotted. I'm from your neck of the woods. I'm from the UK. And what made you relocate to Australia, a country with no online poker? Um, all the murders. Uh, no, a jest. Um, it was the weather. Um, and then I met an Australian girl. So ah. the story, story lieth within. The weird thing is, and this is not something I think we should be boasting about, by the way, but it is the 27th of February, the sun is streaming through the window, and it's about 19 degrees Celsius outside. Um, that's not right for this time of year. Everyone's very excited about it, and I'm thinking, no, February shouldn't be like this in London. <laughs> it's a bit bizarre. We've had the same here, and it's, like, it's now, what, 2am, and, and I think it's still 24 degrees, even though it is just coming out of our summer. We've got one day it's 40 degrees, the next day it's hailstone. So, yeah, climate change climate change is not a real thing, hey? Yeah. Um, so what do you do? Anyway, what's your life all about, Neil? Uh, I'm an IT support engineer. No, I'm joking. Why is everyone <laughs> on your show an IT support? <laughs> hey, at least uh, he listens. This is good. <laughs> I try. Um, I, uh, well, up until very recently, I worked for some large evil corporations and then decided I didn't want to do that anymore because I think sort of... Um, Working for the man is not for me, um, and it frees up a lot more time to play. You, you seem like a interwebs. rebel. You seem, you, you seem like a yeah. guy who likes to go your own way. Yeah, a little bit of a rebel. I don't know if I've got a cause or not, but yeah, no, about six months ago, I set up a little marketing agency, and that's basically what I do now. I sit at home in my, often in my underpants and <laughs> build websites and do social media ads. Um, let's not keep you awake for too much longer, Neil. Let's launch into this alien quiz. The first thing to say... And I think this is a very controversial, hot take from Patrick the Intern. He was not a fan of this film. What? Well, he's dead to us. I, I like that Stapes just shouted, what? That means he liked it. I I've seen this movie. This is what this is like an all-time great movie. I wouldn't say it's like, you know, I would consider it maybe in my top 100 movies, which or, nice. or, or 200, which is still uh, doesn't sound good. But when you like as many movies as I do. Mm. Yeah, this movie is is this movie is a classic it is a masterpiece it is a it is a, one of the best horror sci-fi movies ever made isn't now, it just and it, it's a precedent setter for everything else absolutely. I, I was kind of worried that if you hadn't seen it you were going to go and watch it and be like oh i've seen all this before it's the same plot as every other alien movie but that's it's the inception of them all it really is. And also what I like about it is that tonally it's so different than the other movies too. Kind of like the first Terminator is like much more of a suspense movie than it is a, than it is an action movie. So, so goes alien. Mm, indeed. Yeah. And there's the, then you've got the big debate about is one better than two, but one just sets two up and you've got to watch one before you watch two. It's just, yeah, I'm just a massive fan as you can probably tell. Well, Bear in mind, Joe tends to perform better in quizzes when he doesn't like the movie. Yeah, uh, these that, questions yeah. are remarkably easy. I would be surprised if anyone needed the multiple choice options. Uh, let's launch into it, Neil. You know the drill. One through ten on the board. Where are you going to go? Uh, it's always coming seven. Number seven. Nice softball for you to get started. Who directed the film, Alien? Oh, Ridley Scott. Correct, for two points. Joe, what Joe question would you like? Uh, I'm going to go with uh, number nine, because if I don't, then it's easy. I'll be mad. What is the tagline of the film from the iconic trailer slash poster? In space, no one can hear you scream. Correct, for two oh. points. Woo! 
Neil, I need a question that is not seven or nine. Two, please. What is the name of the cat? Oh my god, Jonesy. Jonesy the cat for two points. Joe, your question. Ah, oh, man. Uh, question number one. <laughs> What's the name of the spaceship? The Nostromo! <laughs> yes! Neil, your second question. Sorry, third question, I should say. Uh, number three. Still number there, three. Isn't it? Who is the captain of the ship? Oh my god. Dallas. Dallas for two points. Joe. Uh, question number 10, please. Number 10. Which actor plays the captain of the ship? Yes. <laughs> Tom Skerritt. It is Tom Skerritt for two points. And here is a hashtag fun fact from Patrick. Harrison Ford turned down that role. What did an did idiot. <laughs> yeah, and he was left with... Raiders lost it. <laughs> yeah. what's, what's he made uh, since? Crazy, eh? has nobody used multiple choice yet. Isa said, I don't think anyone should. In fact, the first person yeah. to ask for the option should lose by default. Um, oh, come on. Four, five, six, or eight, Neil? Uh, six. Number six. What does Parker want to discuss at the first meal that the crew have together? Oh, God. I've just done myself in, haven't I? Parker, I want to discuss. You can take the options. Yeah, go on. I'm going to have to. Okay. How long it will take to get home, the quality of the food, the music they're going to play on board the ship, or money? Crucially, the bonus situation. Money. It is money. It is the bonus situation that's on Parker's mind. Joe, you could go one point up if you don't take the options on four, five, or eight. I've got an opening. Here we go. Let's take the opening on number four. Who is the first character to die? The first character to die is... I know the actor, and I know when, but I can't remember the character's name, so I think... Hold on. Give me a second. I might have to take the choices here. <laughs> It's so annoying that I can't remember the character's name. If I had watched it, I'd have been able to get it. All right, go go on with the choices. Dallas, Kane, Parker, or Ash? Oh. Uh, By the way, we've established that Tom Skerritt was Dallas. So right, you can eliminate that one. Kane, Parker, or Ash? Kane. It is Kane for one point. And we still have a tied game Woo! as we head into the final round. Five or eight, Neil? Uh, five, please. What color is the alien's blood? Oh, it's... What a bizarre question. It's acid, isn't it? So... It is, but it is a distinct color. It is. But why can't I remember what distinct color it is? <laughs> I, I want to say it's white. You might want to take the options. I'm going to take the options. <laughs> Is it yellow, green, red, or blue? Oh, wow. It's either yellow or green. I'm going to go with green, because why wouldn't it be green? It's yellow. Damn it. Damn, it's interesting. I would have said, look, Neil, to be fair, I also would have said green. Mm. It's interesting that people automatically think it's white, mm. mainly because, of course, that's the android blood. Oh, the milk. Uh, yeah. Right. 
Um, so, like Joe, you get mind. question number eight, which could decide the game. What was the estimated budget for the film? <laughs> oh, this is good. You got a shot here. Uh, uh, I, I, I got to take the choices. Okay. 8 million, 11 million, 20 million, 25 million. Eleven million. Correct for one point. And oh! Joe, you've just squeezed out a victory, beating Superfan <laughs> Neil on this alien-themed edition of Superfan vs. Stapes. Neil, you Neil, are... guess what? I smoked you. You will not be getting a satellite ticket. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> <laughs> however, I'm, I'm happy for you, mate. I think you needed a win. <laughs> however, we will find a small item of PokerStars merch from the box in the office that we can send down under. You're a pair of absolute legends, and I, I love your work. Neil, thank you very much for coming on the show, and thank you for staying up late. No worries, guys. I'll get back to stalking Stapes on Instagram now. Yes! All right, my babies, we are almost out of time for this week's show. Next week, it's going to be Billion Season 2. Which is better than Billion Season 1. Not to say that Season 1 isn't good, but Season 2 is better. Can't wait for it. There's going to be more home game shenanigans. I'm going to Vegas again this weekend. Uh, the weird thing is, I keep thinking, wow, Joe's going back to Vegas. And I remember it's like it's like an hour-long flight for you. <laughs> it's like a 45-minute flight, yeah. yeah. So I'm going back to Vegas again this weekend. There, I'm going to stop by. There's a big charity tournament that Matt Stout's doing. Uh, Daniel's going to be there. Everybody's going to be there. Right. Also, I'm the reason I'm going to Vegas is for a Muse concert. <laughs> so you know there's going to be a fucking disaster. What we know is that Joe is going to spend... A ridiculous amount of money. By the way, what did you think of the last album? I still... Okay. I bought it on vinyl. And even though I listed a California address, they sent it to the UK. Because I bought it in the UK. <laughs> so it's currently sitting in a courier's office. And I was like waiting to listen to it on vinyl. So the answer is, despite what a big fan I am, I haven't listened to it yet. Because I was waiting for the vinyl, but now I'm just going to have to do it this week. So I'll, I'll, I'll let you know what I think of the album. I liked it. Uh, next, the songs I've heard, this I've heard a few of the singles, I think are very good. And at least standard Muse, which is good. So I'm happy about that so far. But yeah, so of course there's going to be a disaster. Until then, guys, subscribe, like the show, comment on it, listen to us on Spotify. But that is it. That is all the time we have got for this week's show. For James Hardy and I am Joe Stapleton. Smell you later. 